the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we work. We acknowledge and pay our respects to the Ngunnawal, Ngambri and Darawal people who are the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. We recognise their enduring connection to this land, their culture and their ongoing contribution to these regions. We also recognise and pay respect to the Elders past, present and emerging of the Ngunnawal, Ngambri and Darawal nations. May we all continue to learn from and support their rich cultural heritage and work towards reconciliation and mutual respect with Australia's First Nations people. This is the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. I know you're all expecting some, you know, big fireworks between Matty and I. I'm really fast to take a shot at Tay because it makes good radio and also because he says a lot of dumb things. Pretty much what you get for Drake London is a huge slab of just shit-covered cake. Aussie? I can't say that about the Jags. When we get there, I'm gonna, it's going to be party <laughs> central. So, sorry, guys. That's uh, where the well, non-bias ends. NFL? The only guy with a 1,000-yard season every year since Jesus played fullback for Jerusalem. Fantasy. It's going to sound like I'm trying to side back towards Evans, and I'm 100% not. I've even seen action on Dion Jackson. That's right. That rhymes. You know it. This is the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. What was the combo you called them? Uh, the Collins Mechiewood. The Collins Mechiewood. Well, can you drive a tank through that? It is touchdown for the last week of drafting. Manjot, can I get a touchdown? Touchdown! Oh, that is so good. For the Aussie, Aussie NFL Network. Fantasy. <laughs> For the Aussie NFL Network, we are the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. Of course, with the voice of Australian Gridiron right there. It's man, John Melly. How are you, bro? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, I haven't <laughs> eaten just like Johnny Besto didn't eat during day five of Lords at lunch. So, yeah, I haven't had any food, but, you know, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. You know, just wanted to, just wanted to have another shot at the English cricket team while I was at it. 100%. Too. It's never a bad time to do that. Grab a pastry in the meantime while I introduce Taylor Goodall, of course, Australia's best analyst of fantasy football. And he's right here. Tay, how you doing, mate? Look, Johnny Bairstow should have had a few more days where he didn't eat. He looked like he swallowed a sheep. Um, <laughs> anyway, is, is that what we're talking about on this podcast? I'm talking about Taylor Goodall. It's the Aussie, <laughs> yeah, it's the Aussie guys bag English cricket podcast. So thanks for coming along. Uh, <laughs> of course, I'm Maddie C, and uh, we, we are part of the Australian Gridiron Network. Manjot, of course, features on one of our brother shows, G'day Gridiron, and you'll find them appearing twice a week at the moment as well, which is great. They appear in this feed too, so where you found us, you'll find G'day Gridiron, and also our brother Dynasty Mark with the No Huddle Dynasty podcast. Guys, it is the last week of like draft season, right? The, the season itself proper in the NFL and for fantasy starts in the late part of next week. So this is it. This is ground zero for getting your team sorted. And we've got a big old week of shows ready to roll. I don't know, you guys are fired the hell up for it, yeah? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm ready. I mean, I heard there's a million mock drafts coming up on our show this week. <laughs> a million. Nothing better than that. And it comes after. So you guys did an amazing job, by the way. We went division by division through all of August around the whole league. And we talked about every player who is worth consideration in 10-team fantasy, but also in Superflex. We talked a lot about Superflex quarterbacks. The rubber hits the road on Superflex a little later. But also the G'day Gridiron guys did the same thing. And they took the NFL perspective and we took the fantasy perspective. If you want to catch up on any of that, those shows are right here on this feed too. So go and find them. We did every division, so to get a gridiron, and it was a great month. We've got a whole bunch of bold predictions on today's show. 
Taylor Manjo, I've been busily working away to come up with some of the most bold calls, and they're going to back them up. And then later in the week, we've got a couple of mock draft shows. We're going to do another 10-team mock draft. But by popular demand, we're going to do a super flex mock draft. How cool is that? It's awesome. Something a bit different, Matty. I just think people out there, Superflex is getting more and more popular uh, in yeah. the fantasy community. And, and I just think we need to be a bit more diverse in the, in the mocks that we're doing. We've obviously done a 16-teamer. We've done a, yeah. we've done a lot of the 10-teamers. Um, I think the 10-teamers are good because uh, a lot of people are in those leagues that have 10 teams. So I think doing one of those, obviously, is still important. But getting out there and doing a Superflex um, really, really helps the people out there that are, that are going into drafts uh, soon with Superflex because a lot of people probably haven't done one before. Oh, a million percent. Do, do you just want to quickly describe the difference between standard and Superflex for, for those playing at home? Yeah, so basically, I mean, there is obviously people have two QB leagues and then they have Superflex. And a lot of people probably see them as not too much different, which in a way they're not. But basically, um, a Superflex is just adding an extra flex position, but you can add a, a quarterback in there. So you can still put a tight end, wide receiver, running back uh, like you normally do, but you can also add a quarterback. And because the quarterback is obviously such a high the position that actually scores the most points in fantasy, most people, uh, and ideally you would have a quarterback in that position. So essentially you're looking for two quarterbacks in your draft. So really in terms of your draft strategy, it just lifts the value of the quarterback position completely because it turns it from being a onesie position where you only had to start one and normally you're going to have like two running backs, two wide receivers that sort of evens things out a bit. You're going to have two quarterbacks as well and it's a position that scores the most. It just lifts the value so much for a quarterback. That's going to be wild. We've spent a little bit of time in some of these leagues to ourselves, but it's going to be really good to explore that here on the show because we haven't really done anything specifically geared toward that. And as you say, Tay, it's the difference between having a flex which you can start quarterback in where most leagues you can't and having a position that's solely dedicated to a second quarterback it's a pretty important distinction even though the leagues sort of play out the same way a little bit but i've been in a super flex dynasty for a while where i've only had two quarterbacks in my whole roster so as soon as someone's hurt or has a bye week in goes a running back or some other chump because i've been <laughs> yeah been a bit light on so you can you know survive without having the extra depth of quarterback but um mate it's uh makes it challenging i'll definitely tell you that it's a flex spot, and it makes sense because you have complete flexibility for that spot. Flexibility. I see what you did there. That is a dad joke. Well done. Uh, mm. A little look into the future, too. We haven't made a big deal about this yet, but it's something we are 100% doing. The fantasy guys in the Aussie Gridiron Network are going head-to-head with the NFL guys. We're doing like a pick em, so everyone's got to pick their teams who they think are going to win the NFL games over the weekend. And it's the G'day Ground guys, which is Ian, Brad, and Manjot. Hi, Manjot. Yes, you're on the rival team this time around. They're <laughs> going to have their scores all accumulated versus Taylor and myself and Dynasty Mark, so the fantasy guys. And there's going to be this, – this is like warfare. Ian and Brad are already kind of taking some shots. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to just humiliating the ass out of them. Sorry, Manjot, you're going to be involved in it, but I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Tay, you make a bit of a pun to yourself, mate. You've got to be really looking forward to uh, smacking that ass, son. Oh, Mandot's dead to us when that uh, tipping starts. Like, he obviously is on this podcast, but once he's with those goobers, like, he's just completely <laughs> dead to us. So, can't wait, mate. I'm coming off an NFL tipping championship from last year, so I, I can't wait to just pump the shit out of these assholes. <laughs> yeah, I, there you I, go. I thought it was interesting. You know, um, I, I had the choice of team. <laughs> I had the choice of team. It's a 
And I, I chose the good I grid on boys just because I think you know we got the underdog mentality between us. Bad I choice. think there's there's a lot of underdog <laughs> mentality, but we're also the NFL analysts, you know, NFL analysts versus fantasy analysts. I think well, we should. Be I think the it underdogs. makes sense. We should be the underdogs then. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Mate. I guess. But <laughs> you, know, you guys talk a lot of game. You guys talk in a lot of game, so. Um, and we're gonna walk a lot of yeah, game. I'm, I'm yeah, boy. <laughs> exactly. We're gonna we're gonna back that shit up. I'm on your team, Maddie. Hundred percent. Taylor wins everything, so I'm alright. Hopefully, Maddie just wins right. like forty percent of his stuff. <laughs> That'd if be a Maddie massive can just increase. Pick like forty percent right, and I get everything right. There's seventy percent. This guy does maths, by the way. <laughs> if anyone anyone didn't know, this is the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. With Bijan, I think he's going to finish running back one. I just have a feeling. And that's a massive bold call I'm making already. And I, I do think he can finish the running back one in this draft. I'm actually pretty confident on that. Aussie? I know that. I am cutting that and that is going in a drop. So just so you know. And you're going to hear that every week for the whole season, no matter what happens to Bijan. Got it? Yeah, I got it. NFL? He could penetrate mums too. He could do that yeah, very three well. Four. No worries, mate. Fantasy. Oh, I still can't exactly figure out how the water bet happened. I'm pretty sure Maddie sort of pushed it a little bit. Don't we love that in fantasy? This is the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. Well, Taylor, I just wanted to ask, have you got a crafty release package just like Addison? Have I got a what? Today's show is around bold predictions, and this is actually one of the most popular segments that we've done back when we were the Astro League, Tay. Uh, that got a lot yeah. of traction when we do the bold predictions. We're going to get you guys to do a couple each, all right? Ooh. I just think that the best place to start here is with Tay because, Taylor, you, you're yeah. clearly bold. <laughs> bold is your brand. <laughs> uh, I've heard that. Uh, have you? Have you? Okay. Uh, just making sure that wasn't breaking news. Mate, where do you want to start? Because I'm, I'm sitting down. I've got a glass of water. I'm ready to have my nerve shattered. Tell me about your first bold prediction. All right, Matty. See you, man, Josh. So, I've, I've sort of labelled my couple of bold takes. This first one I have labelled Husband Herbie. And I think you obviously know where I'm going here, but I don't know exactly if you know what I'm going to say. My bold call is that not only Justin Herbert will be quarterback one on the season in fantasy, he's going to have over 50 touchdowns. Whoa. Hang on. Quarterback one. Wow. That's 50 plus touchdowns. 50 plus. (laughs) All purpose, so obviously it leaves the like little bit of ability for him to rush a couple in or something like that. But I'm saying he has 50 total. There aren't a lot of stats per se on this because obviously the the take for the uh, Herbert is obviously positive regression on last year. Last year you just saw every part of this Chargers team, including him, just get injured. Like it was just honestly a throwaway year for this team. Like they they had obviously a lot of people, I think I was even close to picking them for the division last year. I thought they were really, really ready to take a step forward last season and they just lost their offensive line. They lost their defense. They lost all their receivers. They lost Herbert. Well, what was weird is he actually played through most of it, which actually probably was worse. It actually was doing him a disservice in terms of all his stats because he, he did his rib. He could barely breathe. All of a sudden, he couldn't run the ball at all. So you knew he was a pocket passer. He lost all his receiving threats. So he basically had to dump off to Alston Eckler the entire time. And you also had a play caller that really wasn't 
going to help him with his abilities. Like, he, he wasn't a play caller that was willing to actually let him cook. And now, all of a sudden, you see a new play caller come over from Dallas. He's 100% a guy that's going to let him cook. He did it in Dallas. If anything, he got shifted on because McCarthy decided, oh, we were scoring points too quick. What the fuck is that? We were scoring points too fast, and we didn't give our defense time to get to uh, actually rest on the sideline. That is literally his biggest issue. So... I think with the new offensive coordinator, Justin Herbert, fully healthy. He's got a healthy receiving core. His, his team in general is healthier. I, I know sometimes, obviously, a defense being a little bit better isn't actually a good thing in fantasy, but I just think in general, this team being healthy and being together in the preseason is only going to help. I honestly think Herbert is just this absolute weapon just waiting to be released. And he hasn't always had the right play calling around him to actually showcase his weapon. His arm is his weapon, and he can throw it as deep as anyone in this league. And I think you're going to see some bomb touchdowns. You're going to see a lot of yards, and that's why I'm saying I think he has a huge, huge positive regression from last year, and I'm saying he has 50 touchdowns, and he's the quarterback one in fantasy this season. Whoa. All right, fifty Man, touchdowns. Can I can I pull up React. the stat here? So, fifty total touchdowns in a season by a quarterback. Guess how many players have done that in, in a single season? Three, like three. So this three that passed for fifty touchdowns, which obviously yeah. would get them over the line here. Patrick Mahomes, yeah. twenty eighteen. Peyton Manning, twenty thirteen. Yeah. Tom, Tom Brady in two thousand and seven. All of those three were MVP seasons. Now, the answer's four because you can add in Aaron Rodgers. He threw 48 TDs and then rushed yep. in three in 2020. Yep. All four of them won MVP. So, Taylor, I, what you're saying is is Herbert could be MVP this year. You're, you're, you're putting so, the house on Herbert having the MVP campaign. I do apologize. I literally have written in the bold call Justin Herbert. Not only is quarterback one in the season, he's the MVP and has 50 touchdowns. I just completely forgot to say that. So chuck the MVP yeah. in just to add on as a multi. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. Woof. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Not? I dig it because you said, oh, last year, such a throwaway season, such a tough year to be Chargers. They made the playoffs and they led that game 27-0. Like they- oh, I know. This season was not a bad season by anyone's measure, but I definitely get that there's a lot that went wrong for the Chargers last year, that if any of those things don't go wrong, everything improves a bit more. Uh, so definitely like that. You've been pounding the um, the Cowboys on this scoring too quickly thing a lot, which I think is hilarious. I've been talking about it a lot. <laughs> All right, Manjot, do you, uh, do you think he's, his bold call is too bold? Do you see the part? Oh, it's I need the public defender it's, to come out and decide whether this guy has lost his mind or not. It, because I've just mentioned the stat on that and the fact that only four players in the history of the National Football League have done this. Be yeah, bold, it, be bold, it, be it's bold. It's very bold. It's very bold, <laughs> I will say. I think I could see it happen. I, I, think, I think there's a chance. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a percentage on that chance. Though. I'm going to say... 35% chance. That's, I think that's this, huge. On a that, bold that's number. actually pretty... 35 could be, I hope 35 is the highest of the of the night for bold calls because that probably uh, shouldn't I be that high. 35% <laughs> is, is a pretty high number. Um, I, I know that people are going to say, whoa, that's very high for this sort of thing. But when you look at Herbert, if, if healthy, firstly, if we have to yeah. assume full health for Keenan Allen, 
Full health for Mike Williams. Full health for Justin Herbert himself. Full health for Austin Eckler. Full health for Gerald Everett. When you think about that, like the weapons I just named, yeah, there's there's potential that he can do it. And obviously, Kevin Moore coming in, he's a bit pass happy. There's definitely a lot there. Firstly, he's got to have to throw for at least 48 TDs, as I said, um, to get even close to that 50 total TDs. He, based on history, based on history, he's actually probably going to have to pass for 50 TDs to actually get there. I'm going to give like a three percent chance. This is so unlikely, but I love the bonus. <laughs> but I think it's like a three percent chance. I think I think yeah, it's maybe, that's maybe that's more realistic, Maddie. Maybe that's more realistic. It's, it's the higher, things that you've said. Let's assume full health for everybody who's constantly yeah. injured. It's very much a ceiling. It's a ceiling case, isn't it? It's a ceiling. Yeah, that's yeah. Out. But this is what I like. He's. I think 3% is yeah. a probably fair number because, uh, and I think Tay would love to hear 3% in realism because he'd be like, that's actually not so bad. If I had a bag of 100 rocks, the chance of pulling out one of the three, the, the different color, isn't horrible. It's not great, but it's not horrible. I fell off my chair when I had 35%. Yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think maybe I'll tone that down. I'll tone that down a little bit. I think, I think it's a bit higher. Ah, maybe I think thirty-five percent. Maybe for right, the decimal the, point all I in between. To know was that you thought it was in the realm of possibility? That's all I. Really I think it's about. in the realm of possibility. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe a realistic chance would be to put a decimal point in between those two numbers and say three point five percent. But I thought that too. Yeah, I think it's more three point five percent. I think. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Herbie yeah, to the moon, it's baby. A bit tough. to the moon. <laughs> All right, man, Joe, where are you going with your first ball call? Because, I mean, yeah, this is, this is a tough act to follow. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. But when we're talking about guys we love, well, who's the guy I always love in the seventh round of drafts, guys? Come Debo on. Samuel. Oh, no, he's his partner, though. His partner oh, in the receiving call, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk. Now people are going to say, man, Joe, where are you going to go with this? Manager, you know they got Debo, they got Kittle, they got McCaffrey, they've got all of these guys. They got the most elite run game in the league. Why are you taking the receiver on the 49ers as a guy with a bold call? Well, I did my research today, and I think Brandon Ayuk is a very, very slept on fantasy football player. When he was playing alongside Debo, Kittle, and CMC. Ayuk was actually averaging 10.4 fantasy points per game and was wide receiver 15 in those games. So Ayuk has a lot going for him. So Ayuk, with those stars there, this was obviously last season because we just got CMC. Those three players, there's a bit of injury question marks. Brandon Ayuk, though, he's only missed a couple games in his entire career. He's, he's played through injuries all of his career. Brandon Ayuk, I think, will finish top 15 in the NFL this season in fantasy. I think he'll be a top 15 wide receiver in fantasy. Even top 12 is not out of the realm for Brandon Ayuk. I think... Oh, I think Make it bold. Make it as bold I'll as you go, can. I'll go 12. I'll go top 12. I think throughout the preseason as well, a few guys in teams where there's two star wide receivers that may may fall back, like, say, T. Higgins or Jalen Waddle potentially could fall back, or if Jamar Chase or Tyreek get injured, then they would fall back. 
That's why I'm going. I'm going to say top twelve. I agree. Going bold here. That's the theme of the show today. I'm going top twelve wide receiver for Brandon Ayuk. I want to hear what you guys have to say. So I'm going I'm to dissect this in terms of what you were talking about. Is Ayuk the player first? And I yeah. completely agree with you. Well, I actually, and, and and for starters, I think Ayuk's a far better pick in fantasy this year than Debo. As like yeah. that's obviously taking ADP into to consideration. I think you're getting like Ayuk a couple of rounds later, and I think he's the far better value, and he's 100. Like I won't have any Debo, but there's at least a chance I will take a shot on Ayuk because he's going later. Um, I think he's an amazing talent, um, and I completely agree with you in this offense. He is slept on by his own team. Um, and he's a slept on by the fantasy community, but the problem is there's a reason why. And it and and it pre- I know you brought those stats up that even when the whole contingent of those receivers and CMC and everything was there, ten point four fantasy. I'm surprised that was coming up as a top fifteen. There must have been a lot of players like out or something at that time. It's not like fantastic. It's probably not the worst that where he's drafting him in the ADP, but I can't imagine that's going to get you anywhere near your bold call of, of top twelve. But I, I like it's still interesting. Like it is a good stat because it goes like at least a little bit against what I'm trying to say here. But the problem is this this team just has so many weapons and they, they have that many ways to win games. And like you even see a guy like Brock Purdy, you're like even maybe even Sam Darnold in the future. They don't have to do much. They just dump off to all these guys and there's there's that many weapons in this offense and they don't have to do a lot to win games. And they're probably going to be leading in a lot of second halves and just running the clock out in the second half with the the missile. Maybe even Jordan Mason gets a run. Like There's just so many reasons why Ayuk's going to all of a sudden get missed in this offense, even though he's a fantastic talent. I would have him on the Titans any day. He's an amazing talent. The problem is for fantasy is it feels to me like you need one or two injuries to one of the other guys. And I don't like to talk about that, but it kind of just feels like it is. I've said the same about Kittle. I think Kittle needs guys to go down because when they're all there, Kittle gets used as a blocker and he's so good at it that he doesn't need to be a fantasy asset. And the problem for me is I'm just... Ayuk is just never going to be consistent when they're all there. He might have flash yeah. games. He might have a two-touchdown game. I'm not putting that out of the realm of possibility. But I just don't see the consistency from him when he's the – he could be number four in the in the pecking order any given game. Yeah. He might be two. He might be one. He might be three. No one ever knows game to game. And it just – I just never know exactly what I'm getting out of Ayuk week to week. And I, that's why I just could never see him – being consistent enough to be in that top 12. But does he have a realm, a ceiling of getting there? Maybe. A ceiling, mm. oh, like, if we're doing percentages, I would probably put it around the, the 5 to 10% range um, yeah. be- because he needs a lot to happen to get there and he just doesn't need to be relevant every single week for this team to win. And that's all they give a shit about. I, I just want to make a quick correction. He was 15th overall wide. His wide receiver 15, like the whole season, not just when those guys were playing, but over the course of the entire season, Brandon Ayuk was wide receiver 15. I just had to double check on sleeper. All right. So I think that the chance is a little smaller than I gave Tay. I'm going to give you about a one and a half percent chance here, Manjo, only because the volume in that offense is teeny, teeny, <laughs> tiny. And if Purdy's going to throw for 160 yards a game, just, yeah, Ayuk's going to have to eat every single bit of that. And he's also going to have to go back for dessert and get some rushing yards or something. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm just nervous that the volume isn't there. So I, 
I can't buy it, dude, but I love that you're bold on it. And I love that you're going for your team. I love that you've got the twofa. Like, why not go for someone yeah. San Francisco so you can here's get the, both? Yeah, he was the first guy that I thought of. I mean, yeah, uh, I this bet. week, um, uh, Laurie Horish from uh, ESPN, uh, he does the NFL Brecky show. And uh, he was asking, who's the guy that hasn't made the Pro Bowl yet? That would be a good first time Pro Bowl. And I literally mentioned IU. Like they they were drafting it on their show, um, him and Phil Murphy. Like they're drafting like it. And and then Laurie like DMs me. He's like, man, you're shush, man, shush. Because you're giving away my entire draft strategy. So there are there are people out there who are saying that IU could have a good year. I think I think it's possible they could have a Pro Bowl staff season. I think definitely in the realm of possibility. Definitely think thousand yards should be on the cards once again for Brandon Ayuk. All right. Well, you've got uh, got our reactions to it there, man. Joe, we're going to go back to Taylor for his second ball call here. I don't know that it can get bolder than your first one, though, Tay. All right. So we're going to sort of multi this all together. So I'm calling this one the touchdown double. And it's, it's pretty predicated on touchdowns, but obviously it has a fantasy flavor to it because I'm essentially saying where the players are going to finish as well. I am going to take a wide receiver and running back a double. I'm going to pick you, the touchdown leader, in both categories. I am saying that Amari Cooper will lead the league in touchdowns and David Montgomery will lead the league in touchdowns for running backs. Amari Cooper will be a top three wide receiver in fantasy, and Montgomery will be a top eight running back. Oh. Wow. All right. Oh, I'm going to hear how this is possible because, wow. Uh, all right. I, I'm, I'm straight up going to say it, man. Like, yeah, the Montgomery one I'm out on. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. It's, it's consistent it. with what I've been saying about Gibbs. I mean, I've been for Gibbs like this, this offseason. I'll be I'll be pretty hyped about Gibbs. I mean, I totally I'm get the highest on Gibbs out of all of us. Yeah, so I've been I've been huge on Jameer Gibbs. Look, with where the Lions are, I think yeah, there's potential that they're gonna go with that sort of guy in Gibbs based on how high they drafted him. But I find it interesting leading the league in touchdowns. I just. I'm sorry, man. I, I don't see. I mean, I know Montgomery's li- literally listed as running back one in that offense, according to the depth chart right now. But I think eventually Gibbs takes over. And also, you look at the guys around the league. I mean, well, Austin Eckler, I mean, he's probably going to take a bit of a dip considering all the weapons going around. Uh, I mean, Josh Jacobs is coming back for the Raiders. I think that it is possible that... Jacobs or Eckler, one of those big names, you know, they take the title. I, I think it, it's an interesting call. I, I don't I don't particularly agree with it, but I love the boldness. I, I think it's an interesting call there with Montgomery. And Amari Cooper, oh yeah, again, he's got a he's he's got some stiff competition um with obviously Jefferson, Chase, Cup. All of those sort of guys, Hill, and, you know, I could go on forever, Adams and all of those guys. There's a lot of stiff competition there for the touchdowns. I know touchdowns for receivers aren't often consistent. Like, receiving touchdowns and receiving yards are two different ball games. So, I think it's got to be, yeah, it's it's going to be tough for both of them, I think, to get to where you're saying. So, I'll bring up the lines. 
Me and John. Who who do you believe Jameer Gibbs reminds you more of? DeAndre Swift or Jamal Williams? Oh, uh, at the moment it's probably Swift. Yeah. Does David? Who does David Montgomery remind you more of? Jamal Williams or DeAndre uh, Swift? Probably Williams. Yeah. And I know how many red zone. TDs. How many red zone opportunities do you think that Jamal Williams had last year? A million. Forty-two. <laughs> he led the league in red zone opportunities because they picked one guy to be their guy in the goal line, and I believe that's David Montgomery this year, and I believe David Montgomery is a far better running back than Jamal Williams, and I'm not trying to throw shade on Jamal Williams. I think he was fine, and he got an awesome <laughs> role, but I'm saying that David Montgomery, if he gets that role, is going to absolutely smash this year. That offensive line is phenomenal. That offensive oh, Matt, line is Matty disagrees. Matty disagrees, though. Yeah. He, he made <laughs> me watch through the entire it. first half <laughs> of a game just so I could prove to him that the Lions' offensive line is elite. Like, oh, man. Like, I, I don't know. Matty, do you, have you changed yeah, your All that pressure on Goff. All those incomplete passes. Yeah, it made it, me feel really great about Goff. It really did. It made me feel like he was the best protected guy. He was like the president of the United States of America. Yeah, that's on golf. But um, anyway, I digress. (laughs) If anything, all those Williams stats just proves what an awesome opportunity this is to David Montgomery. Now, I will say that I do think I agree with Manjo. I do think Jameer Gibbs, as the season goes on, gets worked a little bit more into that role. But seriously, after week 10, like how many red zone opportunities do we believe that David Montgomery might have taken by then? And this is a better Lions team. Everyone's picking this team to win the division. Not me, but a lot of people are. They're, they're, they're basically the darlings of this season. I think even Manjot said he really, really likes the Lions this yeah. year. They are projected to win a lot more games than they were last year. So what do you think that does to red zone opportunities for this Lions team? If Jamal Williams was getting 42 in a team that was losing – what on earth do we think that Montgomery could get in those first 10 weeks? It could be amazing. Again, I'm looking for an outlier. Again, I get why this is bold. This is why it's part of this segment. Montgomery is getting left for dead in drafts, and I think it's ridiculous. He's getting drafted around running back 25. I still think they can coexist, especially in the first six weeks about um, Jameson Williams. I don't think they have a lot of receiver talent. So I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be on the field with Montgomery at the same time, and I think they're both going to be wonderful assets. I think you're going to get value on Jameer Gibbs, but you're going to get even more value on Montgomery. Montgomery. And that's why I think for even an entire season, I think you're going to see Montgomery finish in the top eight, which I think is obviously bold, but from where he's going. But I think it's going to be a huge touchdown year for him. Easily his biggest touchdown of his career, because obviously my biggest issue with Montgomery has always been behind that Chicago Bears offensive line. And the fact that they're never in the red zone and they never have any opportunities. And they also have a rushing quarterback that steals everything off him. This is why you've got to stay water each year because Montgomery was my biggest fade last year. This year, he's my biggest hot, like he's my biggest guy that I'm looking to draft. And and I just think there's so many reasons to think that is why. Obviously, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that there with Montgomery. I think I've probably said enough. Amari Cooper, for me, obviously, is a bit of a bet on Deshaun Watson coming back to at least enough relevance that he's better than Jacoby Brissett last year. Amari Cooper finished as wide receiver six. I'm not taking a huge leap here. Wide receiver six, and he had Jacoby Brissett. No one was picking that. Like, it was everyone just assumed that it was going to be a terrible year with Brissett, and all of a sudden you were going to get Watson, and it was going to be a good finish. It was actually opposite. He actually had more relevance for Brissett. 
obviously, I'm trying to make a case more that Deshaun Watson actually comes back to relevance, and that wasn't really him. That was just a, a horrendous situation that he was coming into. He gets a full preseason. I think this team's going to pass more than they ever have, and I just don't see anyone taking over Amari Cooper in this in this situation. I think he's going to get all of it. It's going to be a funnel to him. He is always a red zone uh, threat, and I think there's a huge opportunity if this team throws more and is better um, that there's going to be a massive opportunity to have a shitload of touchdowns. Uh, I'm going to chip in on the Amari Cooper one because I've been the Amari Cooper realist on this podcast all year long while you guys have been off in a land of uh, – I don't even know what land it is that you have to have such brown dreams about Amari Cooper, but he's had a career which has just shown me over and over again, you know, he's Mike Evans. He'll score you 47 points one week and then he'll disappear for two. Like, he's he's not always a red zone threat. He's a red zone threat for three games a year. He gets all these touchdowns and he fucks off into uh, oblivion again. So, I just expect another season of that. And, okay, whatever. If you're wanting to be, uh, you know, a a top handful quarter um, wide receiver, fine. Maybe he just has one more of those ridiculous games that gets him there instead of one less. So I'm I'm definitely not in on the uh, the scores the most touchdowns, but I think if you just took a three any three random games from the year and said right, will Amari Cooper score th- more touchdowns in any three combined games than anybody else? I'd be 100 percent all over that Taylor. I'd be all over that like like white on rice. <laughs> so I completely agree with everything you're yeah. saying, and everything we have seen in his career actually says that. And so you're. Like, this is why it is bold because yeah. everything we've seen from Amari Cooper has been not consistent. Like it's been like flash games. I brought it up last year. It was like every single time he played at home, he was awesome. He couldn't play on the road. I'm not saying you're wrong at all. I'm just saying oh, that's yeah, yeah. kind of why this is this is bold. That I believe this is the year where he is a far more consistent asset in fantasy. And I got to tell you, nothing would make me happier than to see that happen. I mean, I'm all over the Montgomery one. Sign me up to that. I think that's fun. I just I don't bother keep one at all, but I, I like the Montgomery well, one. This, I know Man Johnson, all <laughs> nah, on the Montgomery one, but um, I'm, I'm there. If you take the, this, yeah, I can, I can call see it. All of it has to happen, like basically all of it. Amari Cooper and Montgomery both have to leave, both have to. and they both have. I suppose if they do that, there's a good chance that the fantasy at like points will just come, and they'll end up where I said they will anyway. But yeah, yeah I think it is quite bold this one. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think uh, what I love about this though is that even if you got one right, I'd be doing a victory lap. Hundred <laughs> percent, just be yeah, like, yeah, exactly. yeah, boy, chase <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the other guy? Not talking about it. What other guy? Yeah, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. There's no tape. You can't dig up any tape. <laughs> exactly. Delete it. Man, John, have you got a second ball prediction for us? Yeah. I, I think this one's going to be pretty pretty controversial, I think. Ooh, I like Especially it. considering how much hate this guy's got. Uh, especially if he... If he has one bad play, man, he just gets a, a ton of hate. A ton of hate. Oh, I'm not talking about Lamar Lance. Jackson. It's Trey not. Lance. It's not Lamar. <laughs> it's Trey fucking Lance. It's not Lamar. It's Trey fucking Lance. It's, it's not Trey. It's not Trey, unfortunately. But I, I'm going to talk about Tua, and I, I know people are like, oh my god, man, what are you? Where are you going with this one, man? You just you just love Ayuk as top twelve wide receiver. Worry out in you, but look, this is bold calls. Tua will finish a top six fantasy quarterback this year. And the reason why is he has so many weapons around him. They're not going to run the ball that much because there's literally zero running backs. So there's going to be a lot of running there. Obviously, this is it, there's going to be a lot of passing. Sorry. Obviously, assuming full health for Tua. But I think top six is well within his realm. 
if you looked at the average points per game across the league, Tua finished top 10. Like, he was 10. Equal ninth, actually, to, to put it specifically. It was equal with Daniel Jones right there at nine. But you you got to say that Tua, I mean, there's some games, like, if you look at some of the potential he has, I mean, obviously that Ravens game in week two had 40.9. And then he had a decent mid-season stretch where he had a 15.9. Did he finish top five with 29.2, 24.1, and 23.4. That was a decent mid-season stretch before the bye week. I think with the Dolphins, like they're, they're probably going to improve if Tua plays the whole season. He'll finish top six. Maddie, I want to let you go because I'm probably going to agree too much. Oh, well, I've got him ranked at seven, so uh, I'm already in. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, I, oh man! You're, you're literally talking about the person. I just did three drafts on the uh, weekend, and I drafted him in two, including Astro, and uh, almost got him in my uh, superflex to pair with Tyreek Hill. So I don't know if you're going to get a lot of hate from that from us too. I mean, a lot of people sleeping on tour again. I think a lot of my bold calls may not be bold to you guys. They may be bold to like the average fantasy player well, that may join I mean, in like a fan league or something. It's a bet on like, health. Like, really, it is. And yeah. there's a lot of people out there that are just assuming before the season even starts that two is just no chance of playing a full season. And look, honestly, from what I've seen, right. I, get, I get it. Like, I completely understand yeah. it. But like, I'm a person that I've talked about this on the podcast a lot. I like to project health. Like, I like to look for the outliers and, and, and players that are probably getting underdrafted. And, like, you see those points-per-game figures every single year for Tua. Like, he's always around that top six. Like, he's a phenomenal fantasy quarterback when he's when he's healthy. And obviously, having Tyree Kill and Waddle just absolutely makes things absolutely amazing for him. I, I think, honestly, if the guy stays healthy, he could be easily a top six quarterback. Like, I think he's yeah. honestly one of the biggest values in fantasy this year. Because the thing is, right, like, if where you, depends obviously where you're drafting him and stuff, but you're not drafting him high enough that he's going to ruin your season if he goes down. Put it that way. Like if he goes down, there's probably an option. Um, like let's say you drafted him in like the seventh, eighth round or whatever. You know, it's not huge draft capital that if he was to go down, that if you had to go to your waiver wire and find a replacement, it's not going to destroy your team. It's not like you're drafting him in the second or third round or something like that. So I just go and pick up I, Kirk I Cousins and. Off you go. Yeah, right? exactly. Like he, he, I actually think he's an amazing value in fantasy this year. Yeah. I've been targeting him for that reason is that, you know, he does just enough things right that if he stays healthy, uh, I, I had him at seven and I understand that nine and 11 is the rankings you guys have him at. And, and I, I, you have to factor in that there's a great chance he doesn't play every game. He hasn't done that before. So I, I get it. Can I totally I, get it. Can I just say a specific thing in one of my leagues, right? So, um, I don't know if people out there are in leagues where you get bonuses for like specific plays, like if there's a 30-plus-yard touchdown or a 40-plus-yard touchdown, whatever. Yeah. I'm in a league where you get essentially five extra points if there's a 40-yard touchdown. So what ended up happening was I actually had CMC drop to me at four in that draft, and I still took Tyreek Hill because of that reason. And I thought to myself, if I can get – Tua, even if it's around earlier, I've got a stack where if he throws any 40-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill, who would be the league leader in 40-yard touchdowns by a mile, I'm getting essentially four touchdowns. 
I'm yeah. essentially getting two touchdowns from my quarterback and two from my wide receiver. So to me, that's a huge boost. So if anyone's out there, like have a look at some of your settings. And I think that actually matters. Like if it's that egregious, like you're literally getting essentially a second touchdown. I think that matters for a guy like Tua and Tyreek. Yeah. They're both healthy. Like those guys could have bomb plays all year. So look, if it's only 100%. one or two points, it probably won't affect your, your draft strategy. But for that much, like I legitimately saw Christian McCaffrey drops me at four and I still took Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I don't think Tyreek, uh, I don't think Christian McCaffrey's having that sort of bomb touchdown the way that Tyreek Hill will just take a pass behind the line of scrimmage exactly. and make a 60 yard touchdown. I mean, especially the way McConnell run, like, uh, especially, sorry, McDaniel runs that offense. It's just like all these like slant plays that like open up so much space on the field and Tyreek is just so fast. They just can't so stop it. <laughs> You've seen so it multiple fast. times. <laughs> like he just makes everyone look like the slowest man on earth. They just all look like the sloths from um, Zootopia. <laughs> I did one of those hot laps over at uh, the racing park in Western Sydney once as an incentive for, for a sales job I had, to, you know, where I'd worked in the past. And um, I've got to tell you, the drive home, on the Hume Highway after that, just doing 110 kilometers an hour was, I felt like I could outrun the vehicle <laughs> after spending yeah. a couple of laps in Shane Van Gisbergen's car to, to have yep. to go back to the RAV4 was a disappointment. <laughs> this is the slowest thing on earth. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. That's the Tyree Killers, the Shane Van Gisbergen, and I am the RAV4. Everyone else is a RAV4. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just RAV4 in his world. <laughs> All right, man, Jot, that's where you land. You might have just learned that you've got to remove your ranking up on yeah. tour. <laughs> yeah, I do. Do you, do you have one, Maddie? even if you want to chuck one quick one? Oh, oh I, I, I did a bit of research on this thinking, you know, what if Ooh. what if you guys needed Maddie C to just, you know, be clutch and come home with one? Yeah. I kind of went digging down the list of wide receivers because that's when I want a bold prediction, I start at the bottom. And I saw a guy who I've got ranked at about 50 in wide receiver. And his path to being a top 15 wide receiver, I think is real. Absolutely real. And I think, Tay, you're going to agree with me here. This guy is 6'4", 215 pounds in an offense where there was 700 targets last year. So even if I revise that back to 650, feeling pretty good about it. He's essentially the same size as a guy who's already in the offense who has never played a full season without missing games. And the other receiver in that offense, slightly smaller, and has only ever accomplished the feat of playing every game in a season twice in like 10 seasons. The leading receiver on his team last year had five touchdowns. Five. Oh. 700 targets. And the leading touchdown grabber had five. The role that this guy would be rolling into, the two people who were sort of living in that space last year, who also had slightly inflated roles because the injury guys in front of them, combined for 170 targets. So it's not like this guy isn't just walking into targets. Does anyone want to guess? Oh, I'm sort of all over the place. Quentin Johnston? Yes, man, Josh. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it sounds so much like the Chargers because yeah. when you think about it, two seasons in 10 years where he played all games. It's, it was obviously Keenan Allen to me. And then Mike Williams never stays healthy. Yeah, that, that made the, so much sense to me. And the, the weird thing is, like, you forget how many pass attempts there was from Herbert last year, but the A dot, like the av- average depth of char- target was insane. It was something like 8.5 or something yards per, like, it was just like the last in the league by a country mile. Because, like, the, the Chargers actually threw a lot, but it was just so many dump-offs to... Um, yeah. Like either like Everett or like Eckler in the backfield and stuff. So 
initially I was thinking the Bucks because I know Brady like set a record for how many pass attempts he had, but obviously all the other parameters you said didn't make any sense. But I was thinking the Bucks initially, but yeah, it is crazy to think that in a weird year for the Chargers in general and Herbert when he was injured most of the year and he had no receivers, that he actually had so many pass attempts. Yeah. And his leading reception, uh, touchdown reception guy was Eckler with five, right? And, you know, so Allen and Williams, I think, had four each. So, you know, there were only play behind and, and touchdowns are a bit fluky but so Quentin Johnson's the same size as Mike Williams in fact so they're both 6'4 they're both about that 215 pounds and and I mean that role is just there half the time because Williams is not there and then Keenan Allen has also had his trouble staying healthy but that even when those guys are on the field there is a third receiver out there a lot of the time and that role gets targets it, there just seemed to be too many things that were right there that it may not come off, but if there was a guy in the 50s right now who could have a top 15 season, I think it's Quentin Johnson. This is why I told Manjot not to do that trade. <laughs> because like yeah. when you were talking about this off mic, I'm like, oh, you're going to love this. Uh, I, yeah. like, again, I'm glad I don't it held agree, off. Like, like, I don't agree. Like, like if I have to like say, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I, I understand the take and everything. Like, it is an interesting take and I can see the path. I'm not. I'm not yep. going to agree that one. Obviously, being a rookie. Two. Yeah. I, I, I can. I can see the path in terms of like Williams being injured, but I do feel like if that happened, they would just sort of piece together like they did last year. Obviously, you'd see Joshua Palmer. You'd see more Everett. Like you'd just see Eckler out of the backfield more. Like I. I, I don't see like a consistent path for Johnson, but we've seen like an Amari Cooper from last year ended up wide receiver six from a lot of boom bust games. So if Johnson just had like four. Or five like ridiculously big games which I think could happen in this offense then you never know like he could sneak into it I just don't think it's going to be ever consistent and this is actually why I suggested to Manjot to wait in that league watch him have a ridiculously big game and trade him because I don't think it's ever going to be consistent and I don't think he's going to be like a consistent two in his rookie year it's going to be like he's had massive games because Williams was out but at the same time he then went from having 25 to two the week after it's just the way it's going to be if Keenan Allen's if Keenan Allen is is healthy he's going to be the guy he's going to be in all the volume doesn't matter what's behind him he's going to be the guy so you know, I don't think it's ever going to be consistent, but I'm fine with the call. I would probably put it around the 15% mark, like in terms of oh, him getting there, that's a big which, number, which is which is pretty high. Oh, I'll take that. Getting in the top 15, yeah. Well, yeah. 15%. Yeah, Woo. I think I think I think I'd go like I feel uh, validated. Uh, I, I go. <laughs> I, I go around 19%. I'm a bit higher, oh. to be honest. <laughs> I, I literally just took him off the trade block in the league too. I think there's potential. And I want to believe it more than most because, yeah, I'm not I'm not trading him for Dalton Schultz. I don't think so, no. No way. So, no way. I mean, the trade got rescinded anyway, but any, you know... I, I'm, this still gonna, I'm still going to keep him. That's why I was holding off. That's why I wanted to know your guys' thoughts before I even did that one. This isn't so much a bold take. I just wanted to put a PSA out there. Obviously, I was doing a fantasy podcast. I think you should take a lot of shots on rookie right receivers this year, even at like, the end mm. of your drafts, because they're all kind of getting like drafted pretty late. 
and I understand why. Obviously, it's going to take some time. They're going to be a little bit inconsistent, blah, blah, blah. But I can see paths for these. Like every year, it feels like the rookies are getting more and more acclimated earlier. And and there are some guys I just really like the look of. Like I've taken Zay Flowers in two of my three drafts that I just did on the weekend. Yeah. I think he has an enormous opportunity. Rashad Bateman is still not practicing. We're even seeing Mark Andrews not even practicing. I know, I assume he's going to be back. But at the same time, like I think this Ravens team is going to pass a crap ton more than they ever have, obviously with the OC change as well. And if, if Zay Flowers is in there on two wide receiver sets, this guy is seriously a mini Tyreek Hill. I, he, he, I'm not saying he's like as polished or anything as Tyreek Hill yet, but he has the opportunity to be a full breakout this year. So honestly, if you're taking some shots at the end of drafts, get as many of these rookie wide receivers because all it takes is one of these guys to break out and you have just, you're laughing. Obviously, yes, Jackson Smith and Jigber as well. Um, obviously, he's probably going to be out the first couple of weeks, but I think he's got an opportunity too in that Seattle team. Mm. It's kind of like the Golladay or the uh, Juju rookie year where from our week 10 onwards, they just had a roll and they were free. Yep. They were free in redraft. You just found yep. them because someone had them in an auto draft team and they dropped them because they did fuck all for six weeks. Then all of a sudden they started to find their spot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm down with it, Tay. I mean, this is that thing of, you know what the easiest spot to find in fantasy football is? A wide receiver too. <laughs> receiver two. Yeah. yeah. 100%. 100%. All right. Well, I'm going to go starting endorsement there. 19 and 15%. Wow, I feel validated. Mm. No one's yeah, I mean, my 35 in the Angel game. <laughs> no, I, I, even my two combined, which I thought was a big number, not bigger than Angel's 35. <laughs> oh, Although if you average would... one out, I think I could give it about a minus 1% on my second take. So yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll call it about a 17 and a half, which is still pretty Man, good. I was in on the Montgomery. Yeah, I, I don't even remember what you guys gave me. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember what you guys gave my takes, to be honest. It was like so I long ago. That. I was Ayuk was about ten percent for me. I think I gave it, and me and one and a half. One and a half. I wasn't on. that mean. Was that think, sometimes a guy just needs a half. I think we were about, it was like a hundred. I think yeah. I think we we're about a ninety percent or two. Yeah, I'm <laughs> up. Yeah, Actually, I think man got I think now. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't think wins. it was that bold, but it's just a how factor makes it bold. I like, think Christian McCaffrey is going to be a top 60 running back this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want me to throw out another one, I mean, you know, I think no, Jonathan Taylor is going to be outside the top 50 running backs this year in fantasy. Oh, yeah. Because he's not going to play. I might have been the only person that would have said that even if he wasn't injured and playing. I was so yeah. And I still ended up with him in a league. Shout out fucking to my league that I ended up getting auto drafted in. Woo! <laughs> Go auto draft. By the way, by the way, I got him auto drafted, and that's my league that uh, we have a punishment if you get last that you have to try out for the Aura Mustangs. So I've Ooh. already been uh, photoshopping oh. my head, photoshopping my head into uh, various Mustangs photos because oh, you well, got to play O line. I basically <laughs> well, that's the thing everyone's that's laughing thing. at because they're like, you will be the most frustrating person if you get last because you're going to go and probably be play O-line and get picked in a heartbeat. <laughs> it should make you have to be kicker or holder or something. Punter. Exactly. They're like, it's not funny if you do it. Whereas like- if You're not going to hilarious if you're a punter. <laughs> I'd love that. Exactly. <laughs> it has to be something not- Watching you punt the ball 21 stupid. yards. Oh, I'm going to love that. <laughs> well, if you play running back, right, you could be like the Nigerian nightmare. Ooh, so, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I don't I'd know be if you guys know that reference. 
<laughs> I don't know if you guys know that reference, Christian Okoye. I, I don't know. Was it? Was it? Is he like a niche reference in terms of this uh, podcast, or <laughs> maybe maybe for some of the listeners, I, I'm there. Yeah, at least at least someone knows. I only yeah. really know him for that a football life episode they did on him. Like after that, I was like, he's my favorite player from the '90s automatically, yeah. just because he's like the biggest guy running at you. But anyway, I digress. Surely we're doing a mock soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Do we just want a quick okay recap, Taylor? Just yep. run through your yep. quick uh, your your bowl takes, and then we'll summarize man jots, and then we'll get out of here. Yep, hubby Herbie, uh, MVP season, uh, fifty plus touchdowns, and the quarterback one of the <laughs> season. Uh, touchdown double. Amari Cooper will lead the league in touchdowns for the wide receiver position. David Montgomery will lead the league in the running back position. Uh, Cooper will be a top three wide receiver in fantasy, and Montgomery will be a top eight running back in fantasy. Spicy. Mm. Manjot, give us your two. Yeah, my two, um, my official two were that Brandon I used to finish top 12 in terms of wide receivers, and then Tua is going to finish top six in QBs. And as a bonus one, I also did say at the end, John Taylor's going to finish outside the top 15 running backs. <laughs> well, and Taylor's bonus one is that uh, Christian McCaffrey is going to be a top 60 running back. So write that one down. Uh, of course, I'll throw one in there too that I think uh, Quentin Johnston, top 15 wide receiver this year, yep. well within reach, especially if he's catching most of Herbie's 50 touchdowns. So uh, looking good, Tay. You and I teaming up. Mm, Love that'd that. be handy. Doesn't happen often yep. enough. Good stack. Good, great stack. Great stack. <laughs> Gentlemen, we are going to be back for, we're going to do a mock draft, a standard 10-team mock draft is tomorrow's uh, offering for the people. But we haven't done one of these before. We haven't done a super flex mock draft, and that is going to be the third show of the week. So I'm, I'm pretty fired up. These mock draft shows have been getting a lot of interest. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing both of them. Fellas, you going to join me tomorrow? Yes, sir. Absolutely, mate. Like I've always said, it's just the, it's the perfect time of year. Everyone likes to listen to not only putting the plays that you've talked about, um, you know, obviously talking about all the stats and everything, but also putting it into practice and working out different draft strategies and working out what you do when all of a sudden a player gets picked in front of you and things like that. I, I just think everyone likes to hear us, you know, work out an actual draft instead of just talking about the players. And that's probably why it's the most popular uh, podcast of the week. Yeah, yeah right. Without further ado, let's make like a tree and get the hell out of here and we'll be back tomorrow with the mock draft show. <laughs> See you, lads. Hooray. I'm going See to ya. Ryan Leaf. This is the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. I don't think anyone's ever gone, ah, oh, Dalton Schultz has <laughs> before. Yeah. A fire of sorts was lit under the ass of one Taylor Goodall. Just go to the chick train. Aussie. And, you know, it's not like Taylor. You know, he's usually pretty, you know, easy come, easy go. He doesn't hold a grudge. So it's nice to hear he hasn't been hanging on to that nah. for two years. But obviously, Bijan's going to be taking the Falcon share of it. NFL. Because the Texans are going to be shit. I am not waterbedding any of you clowns on that either. I think you're drafting Team IR. Fantasy. That's not just because of Mario Cooper, mate. We've fought you stupid for a while. Manjot, what are you going to do, boy? This is the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. Blink twice if you're being held hostage. (laughs) Blink twice if you're being held hostage. (laughs) I had nothing else. I was like, that is the pinnacle.